Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris again with the Jacks Rangers Show. This is episode five. We're calling this one Fort Union Point because, and this is going to be something that we talk about throughout the episode here, we have to make Union Point a fort. It has been so far all year with the two home games that we've had, but based on our performances away, we absolutely have to win all of our home games, guys. So this is a fort at Union Point. Let's make sure that we defend it. Let's make sure that we are intimidating. We're going to kick Toronto's ass this weekend. It was a rough one down there in New Jersey this week. We will get into all of that. We will break down the New Jersey game. We will talk about Free Jacks news in the Outriders episode. We'll also discuss our upcoming opponent, the Toronto Arrows, who are right there with us at the bottom of the Eastern standings. So it's a jam-packed episode. We've also got our boy, the greatest rugby commentator in the entire world. He's also the voice of the Free Jacks. Dallin Stanford, the legendary Dallin Stanford, is on this episode, guys. Episode 5. We're gonna just going to jump right into it. Here we go with the theme music, baby. Here we go. Woo! theme music still to this day gets me fired up. I'm ready to go out there and play against Toronto. I think I got five good minutes. Coach Ryan Martin, if you need an overweight second rower, I'm here. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. All right, guys, before we jump into the Outriders segment here, got a couple shout outs. Did want to mention once again, the Coach Ryan Martin Hat Fund is at $130. It's kind of dropped off here with donations. Wanted to give a shout out to the guys that have donated so far. Want to contribute to that? We appreciate it greatly. I've actually ordered the big wacky check that I'm going to present to uh, Coach Ryan Martin at some point in a future home game if we reach the goal of $250. wanted to give a shout out to the people that have donated so far. A contributor to Jack's Rangers, uh, Natalie Joshua, a friend of the show. Uh, he, he writes pre-match articles that we have on the website prior to the games. Free Jack's CEO Alexander Magleby Mags donated a 20 spot. Appreciate that, Mags. Tom Kindly aka TK donated James Willicks also donated Sam Anderson our very own contributor to the show Dave McVeigh threw in a $10 spot on that appreciate it Dave Diamond Dave Big Brain Diamond Dave Carson Moe and finally we've got Joel Bobbitt who also donated we appreciate you guys so much donating to make sure that coach Ryan Martin's covered and safe from UV rays. We want to have a hat on his head on every coach's corner that represents either the pro sports teams of this region or even, you know, local rugby clubs, you know, whatever. With $250, he can buy whatever he wants to. If he wants to get a tricorn hat and wear that, just like our boy Spider, friend of the show, he can do it with that $250. Uh, He can also reimburse himself with the the hats that he has purchased already. All right. Again, jam-packed show, guys. Outrider segment coming up right now here on the Jacks Rangers show. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris once again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I've got Diamond Dave, big brain Diamond Dave here with us. Dave McVay from the uh, yeah, po- uh, excuse me, Teddy Poet Rugby. Is That's here. right. Good to be here. Thanks, Phil. Episode five of the Outriders segments. Um, we'll jump right in here to Free Jacks News. Uh, we've got Harry Barlow, a.k.a. Harry Barton, 
called up to the USA Eagles 40 man, uh, 41 man roster. So that's pretty exciting for Harry, a young Harry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, you have to assume that for a lot of these guys, at least a small part of coming to the MLR, the draw is that, you know, they're USA qualified and there's a chance that if they perform well, they can make it onto the Eagles, you know, a nationals national team, um, end up playing your, you know, your own home nation, the country that you, the team that you grew up dreaming of playing on, you know, you get the opportunity to play against. That's right. um, so something really special for those guys and congratulations to him for sure um, on making it. Joe Johnston's another, somebody who, yeah. you know, is yeah. in everybody's list of left out players, you right. know, yeah. um, maybe, so next- maybe next time. Yeah. There's always next time. Uh, we'll see how those other guys do. That's pretty good news for the Free Jacks in terms of competition as well, because 14 of those 41 guys come from other teams in the Eastern Conference. Right. And that's, you know, that's going to hit them and challenge their depth. And the Free Jacks are you know, not going to have that same adversity to, to go through. So, yeah, that's one thing good. That I hadn't thought about, but that's why we have you on here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and Barlow's on there as a center. Did you see that? Uh, I, is he? He's listed as a center on the 41-man roster. Now, there's a chance that's an error, but I don't think so because there are very few centers on the roster. Um, And they did make an error somewhere else where they attributed like a forward. They they had like I put a hooker at center, I guess. I wasn't familiar with the player, so I didn't recognize it immediately. But, uh, you know, so it's possible it's an error, but I think instead they're probably looking to get him, you know, maybe working at 13, move the ball and make some attack plays. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, hopefully he makes the uh, final roster to go over there to England and uh, Ireland to play those guys. That'd be great. Um, yeah. Conradi named eight man of the week by MLR, so that's exciting for him. Well-deserved. He is an absolute beast. We've been talking about him for weeks, and I think uh, the league got to see just how good he is. Yeah, absolutely. Two tries. Uh, you know, he's always physical. Every collision he's in, you know, he's getting work done on the other player. So good for him and uh, just a fun guy to watch. When I was recording the other segments of the podcast, I forgot to mention uh, we do this every single week. The um, Today in American Revolutionary War history, so let me get this uh, out real quick before we proceed with anything else. In eight, uh, 1787, the Constitutional Convention formally convened in Philadelphia. So this was at post-war, obviously. The Articles of Confederation, everybody was like, well, this is not going to really work out too well, so we need something different. That's how our Constitution came about. Um, and the quote of the quote of the day, this is really, really good, from General John Stark, New Hampshire's own, at the Battle of Bennington in 1777. Yonder are the Hessians. They are bought for seven pounds and ten pe- uh, pence a man. Are you worth more? Prove it. Tonight, the American flag floats from yonder hill, or Molly Stark sleeps with a widow. Or, excuse me, sleeps a widow. I messed that up, but that's what a quote from uh, General yeah. Stark. Really good. Powerful stuff. You, I love it. Yeah. All right. So, um, this is also kind of military tied in here. So, um, Free Jacks to host Military Appreciation Day. For the next home game against the Toronto Arrows this Saturday, May the 29th, proud military family here. We salute all of our uh, vets, past and present. Thank you for what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Good uh, chance they get to be at full capacity for that event. You know, I'm sure they're real excited about that. Sure. Uh, be able to put on a good good show for uh, 
men and women in the service. So excellent for them. In the Free Jacks post for Military Appreciation Day, Toronto was referred to as our rivals to the north. Dave, do you feel like Toronto is a rival? I'm very meh on it. Uh, I think a little bit. Uh, I think it might be a situation where sometimes there's a little bit of a lopsided rivalry, right? So I think maybe for Toronto, we are rivals. Uh And, you know, maybe people in Boston don't feel it quite as much um, or it's not as much a national level rivalry. You know, it's more of a local rivalry, but uh, I, I think it's there, but low key. But rivalry is fun. So, yes. you know, let's get into it. Let's sure. definitely uh, ride that beat Toronto. Yeah, for sure. We want to beat them. And all of our Eastern Conference opponents are technically rivals because we want to beat them more so than Western Conference teams. The the wins from them and the losses from them uh, against other teams affects us more, right? So um, right. we are, in a sense, rivals. But, you know, it's kind of close proximity but I think you might be right on that. Like maybe Toronto feels like we're more of a rival to them than we think of them. Um, Scott Ferrara tried to pull this last week on us. And he was like, well, you know, if Philadelphia joins the league, then that's going to be the real rivalry between New Jersey and uh, Philadelphia. Okay. Okay. Pal. Yeah. Uh, sure. This okay. is always a line that New York fans trot out right. against Boston fans where they're yeah. like, well, really it's you care. And England fans say against, you know, the other, uh, you know, British and, and Irish teams, right. Where they say, say you know oh well you know you guys hate us but we don't really care we're kind of above it so it is definitely a way to to look down on the other guys i think i don't even think about you you know sure you do sure you do come on uh all right so next thing on here is i got a little bored and made an alternate jersey for the free jacks on monday i saw that dash auctions is auctioning it off a alternate free jacks jersey that has camo on it obviously for military appreciation i have a hot take about my favorite jersey you've told us what yours is i believe in the past my mm-hmm. favorite free jacks jersey is the red white and blue no collar Kara cup jersey now you know uh, if you recall it had the gold big um lantern on there if yep. you move that to where this is right here on my shirt i think that's the perfect jersey and i'll tell you why i don't like collars on the jerseys it just reminds me of when i played with the heavy cotton in the <laughs> carolina humid days you would probably gain like 40 pounds of just sweat on that Jersey, my friend. And it just, Absolutely. When it, and when it has the collar on there, it just makes me think about that. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that the rash on the back of your neck, yeah. that wet cotton uh, oh. collar rubbing against it oh, all God. day. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. You can feel it now. Can't you? <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. Ugh. All right. It's with you forever. <laughs> um, so I did reach out. So uh, Stephen Lewis, um, actually follows us on uh, Twitter now. He should be following oh. the Jacks Rangers show. So we've made Magnificent. I reached out to him and asked him if he knew about any Welsh players. Hasn't gotten back to me yet. Have you got any? I found one. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was successful in my research. Um, Houston uh, signed a Welsh center. Um, his name is Joe Thomas. So he's just joined them this season. Oh. Um, uh, and he, he's been playing with them. Okay. He was a U20 Wales national player. So he's, you know, an academy guy, pretty legit, has has an absolute Welsh pedigree. Um, So, yeah, we got one. We got one. Starting center. One single player. All right. I appreciate that research, Dave. 
Okay, so rapid reaction. Interesting note, all Eastern Conference teams that played Western Conference teams won. That is bad for us in the standings, unfortunately. Well, that's yeah, we, that, that moved us down to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, not a great week. I think when we first started the segment, uh, we were at the bottom. So hopefully this yeah. will create a winning streak for us going forward. Um, I, would, I did want to share the screen real quick here. Let me see here. Okay. Oh, there we go. I got it. All right. So, of course, here we are at jacksrangers.com again. Um, you guys can go on here to check out uh, the podcast if you hit the listen now button. But I wanted to pay close attention here to the Coach Ryan Martin Hat Fund. We're all we're stagnant at one hundred and thirty dollars, guys. <laughs> so if you want to throw in like a, a ten spot for us, we'd appreciate it. Once we get to that two fifty goal, um, we have a very large wacky check coming that has our logo on there. So we'll be, we'll be presenting that to Coach Ryan Martin um, at a future home game. So the quicker we get there, the better. That would be great. Um, the latest episode will also be right here. This will be episode five. If you want to just want to click it on here, not go to Spotify, you can go directly to the website. But the thing I wanted to bring up here is the future schedule for this coming week. Uh, so of course, we got rapid reaction coming up soon here, but I wanted to mention we've got the Toronto Arrows visiting our New England Free Jacks on Saturday, May the 29th at 4 p.m. Uh, same time, uh, same time, but across the country there is San Diego Legion is hosting um, Houston Sabercats. And the same day at 8 p.m. Um, on Saturday, May the 29th, L.A. is flying across the country to meet up with um, Atlanta. And we've got uh, the late game on FS2 is the Jabronis against Utah Warriors at Utah Warriors at 9 p.m. on FS2. And the Sunday game, guys, this is um, Rugby United New Jersey against Old Glory DC. So hopefully these two teams do not draw each other. One of them is going to lose, and I would prefer that to be New Jersey. I think in the standings that would be better for us as well. That will be at 1 p.m. on Sunday, May the 23rd. And let's – I was talking about the standings. Let's jump over to the standings here real quick. Look at Atlanta at the top here up by – what is this, three – two points, three points – on um, Rugby United New Jersey. If I can just move my, there we go. Okay, I can see it a little bit better now. All right, and uh, so Rugby United New Jersey is tied with uh, Nola Gold at 29 points and Old Glory DC at 24. And look at here, look at here, here. Uh, we've got the Arrows on 22 points with our beloved New England Free Jacks at 21. Same win-loss record. Now, we've talked about this before where there's been some experts at the beginning of the season were picking the um, the arrows to win the whole Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. And here they are right here with us, Dave. Um, it's interesting. Um, did not anticipate us nine games in being at the bottom of the standings here, but we can still climb our way out of this uh, and kind of get back into it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of parity in the East. I think that's really what you're seeing. The standings have been really volatile. Um, pretty much everybody's been moving up and down uh, as the league has you know, progressed. So um, we have a big, big home stretch coming up. Only one more away match. Uh, so it's going to be a good time to get out, get to some matches, you know, freejacks.com, get your tickets uh, because these guys have a lot to show. Uh, as we've said before, I think you said um, they're not a bottom of the table team. You know, we're going to see them bounce back over this uh, home stretch that we have coming up, starting with Toronto. 
I think. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Rangers, we need your help being there at the games. Let's sell out all the games. Buy your tickets early. <laughs> yep. The stadium, get loud, get lubed up in the parking lot, you know, have a couple beers or whatever you want to do. Uh, go yep. get into the uh, the stadium with your loud voices and let's hear you um, at the stadium. Make sure that our opponents know that you are absolutely there and we're rooting for the Free Jacks all the way. Yeah, get your huzzas ready because we're, yes. you know, huzzas. Huzzas for the boys. That's what we yes. do yes. in the stands. We do huzzas for the boys. With the, um, you know, and Coach Coach Martin mentioned, you know, the the noise of the crowd and yeah. the the energy that gives the team. So, if you look um, at know, it's a big state. part of the fun, and it, it really helps those guys out out there. For sure, I know it's blasphemy to talk about soccer on a rugby podcast, um, but if you notice uh, in the English Premier League. Without the fans at the home games, it wasn't really much of a home advantage uh, back then. But now the fans are slowly t- trickling back in. But these t- uh, statisticians and stuff like those, like that, that look at the the um, the wins and losses, they noticed throughout the season that without the fans there, the home team wasn't really performing as well. So our voice and our presence is a factor in games for sure. Um, it helps our home teams, you know, do better and stuff like that. And it intimidates, if you want to call it that, the opposition to a certain extent. It makes them play worse. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Let's them know they're in, they're in our house. You know, yes. it's always uh, uh, always a tough proposition. Yes, absolutely. So bring your huzzahs, as uh, Dave was saying. All right. So let's uh, let's rewind here and discuss rapid reaction. We had L.A. at Austin Gilgronies. This was a Wednesday game, 17 to L.A. to uh, the Gilgronies, or excuse me, the Gibronies, as I should call them, uh, three points. So this was at Austin. This was the battle of the um, the Gilchrist twins. Yep. What I wrote down, oddly enough, it was a Wednesday night game. Not a huge fan of that. What about you, Dave? Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I, I think it's nice to have, I think one game a week is nice. You get one match on a weeknight, Wednesday night's a good night. It's not, you know, uh, traditionally the night of any other particular sport, you know, which has Mondays now Thursdays carved out as, you know, these are the nights associate the day with the sport. So targeting a Wednesday, if they keep that consistent, I think it's a good idea. If it bounces around, if next time it's, Oh, we got a Tuesday night game. We got a, you know, Thursday night game. I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. I guess if it's um, once a week, it's not terrible, but Saturday is a rugby day for sure. So the rest of the yeah. matches definitely need to be Saturday. Like- should remain a, a rugby day. Uh, one or two matches on Sunday is fine. Yep. Uh, a match on Wednesday, you know, maybe if the league gets big down the road, two matches on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. you know, then you're competing against yourself, I guess. I guess it's not too horrible when you think of it that way. Yeah. Um, I watched the first half of this game. Decent crowd for Austin. They were offering free tickets and a bus ride to the venue for college students. Adam Gilchrist is just burning through money like a redneck lottery winner, baby, and it's beautiful to watch. <laughs> That's right. Got to make sure it's all gone by New Year's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, good promotion. I mean, great to get people out. Uh, the more eyes there are on rugby, the better it is for the sport. So good on them. Um, it was an interesting match. Uh, I think that uh, Austin did pretty well to limit it. Um Unfortunately, we see L.A. can still maintain control in a low scoring match. They couldn't against New York. Right. But they did. They did against Austin. So, um, you know, they remain the team to beat. Yeah. I just thought about something. They played that Wednesday game. I wonder because NASCAR was there at the Circuit of Americas where those these games are being played at for Austin this weekend. 
So I wonder if that mm-hmm. was a factor in them moving it to Wednesday. I just I just thought of that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NASCAR was Yeah, there. I wonder when that happened. I didn't notice until the week of. You know, I hadn't really gone over the schedule with the fine tooth comb or anything. So I was looking at the upcoming week, you know, and yeah. There it was. Austin scored a one penalty scored one penalty kick in the 36th minute as their only points for the whole game. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Close game into the second half. It was seven to three with 46 minutes gone, but LA was in control and had too much for Austin. Same old story each week with LA. Yeah. All right. So next on the list here, we've got Utah at NOLA. That score was Utah 24 and NOLA 29. I think this was the most entertaining game to watch uh, in terms of highlights, at least. Fun highlights to watch. Stiff arms, running rugby, trickery, Mall tries. This game had it all, baby. Uh, trickery at the lineout for no- for Nola, which looked like Ryan Martin drew up this play at the 17 minute 17 minute for a try. Nola tried another trickery lineout, but the try was disallowed due to the throw not being five meters. That is a classic law that a lot of people like to break because of overthinking. Like oh, yep. I'm going to make this awesome trick play, but if you don't get it right, they'll call it back. Yeah, it's also an it's an excitement mistake a lot of the time where, you know, the player who is the designated receiver for that ball is maybe, um, you know, just a little bit over eager and they get into that channel coming, you know, they're attacking the ball, which you do in every other context You attack the ball, you know, as you're catching the pass, attack the ball, you know, um, and they attack it a little bit too hard. They can't, they can't hold back and they step into that channel. So let's see here. All right, Utah was down by five points past the 80th minute and were on attack, but knocked the ball on to lose the game. Ouch. Sorry, Utah. Almost heartbreaker. For sure. Um, D.C. at Houston is the next game that I'm uh, mentioning here. 21 for D.C. to Houston 13. Rainy and windy conditions down there in Houston throughout the entire game. It was poncho weather. Uh, close game at halftime, 6-8, to eight, D.C. with the lead. D.C. was deep within their 22 and did not kick to relieve pressure. Classic mistake. A turnover in a ruck led to a Houston try at the uh, 46th minute. Yep. Final thing I had written down. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, just good example of why you kick the ball away in rugby. You know, what's one thing that new people sometimes struggle to understand, especially coming from a football background, right. you know, but it's so easy to lose the ball in rugby. Um, sometimes you don't even barely have to do anything wrong to lose the ball. Just somebody else gets a really good, well-timed hit on a tackle and rips it out. Uh, free Jacks are good at that. You know, we saw some of that this weekend, uh, this past weekend. So uh, that's why that's why you kick it. Because, man, it's you're playing with fire if you're playing in your own 22. Sure are. Um, so final uh, thing here, 13 to 18 DC lead with 70, uh, 71 minutes gone. And DC has a red card and Houston is at home. So you got to feel good as Houston, as a Houston fan at that point. But DC are the ones that are attacking past the 80th minute and scored a drop goal, a drop goal to end the game. Big time cringe. Yikes. Yeah, that's tough. Um, Houston's struggling a little bit this this year. This year was last year, didn't they? You feel, yeah, they, they have, um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't tell you why organizationally, um, but, uh, 
shout out to the fans. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people down in Houston who love love rugby and love the Sabercats and who are kind of struggling through it. Um, it's tough to lose, though, especially when you aren't getting a lot of wins. It's tough to tough to have a loss like that. So I know your second favorite team and it was, well, number one team in the Western Conference is L.A., but mine is Houston. Like I said, I got family down there, girlfriends, best friends down there. And they have a rugby-specific stadium, guys. So yeah. that ownership has invested big money into rugby succeeding in that area. So you want to see them do well to a certain extent. And obviously not against our free jacks if it was head-to-head. We want to kick their rear end, as we did this year. But, um, you know, if they've got a rugby-specific stadium, that's something to be celebrated for sure. And I, I hope them, I hope the best for them. Yeah, definitely. Final game to discuss other than the one that we have to get to a little bit later on that I'm delaying here. (laughs) (laughs) Atlanta at Seattle. 260-mile trip, uh, 2,600-mile trip for Atlanta. With Seattle at home, you might think that Seattle would be able to come out of their slump with this travel. Atlanta was running wild throughout the game and cutting through Seattle's defense. Seattle scored their second penalty kick in the 19th minute and never scored any points after that. Scoreless in Seattle is what I wrote down here, Dave. (laughs) That's good. After uh, halftime, Atlanta had two yellows, and Seattle was knocking on the door but never could seal the deal. The nightmare in Seattle continues two wins and eight losses with 12 points in total. Sorry, Rucky, frowny face. I did put that on there. There it is. Oh, poor pup. I know. I feel bad for him. Uh, I did message him recently because we're doing a, a sticker exchange. I've got stickers, 25 of them in total, guys. So if you want a sticker, send me a message on social media at Jack's Rangers or send me an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. I will send you a sticker. Um, also, I'm going to be handing them out at the game to people that ask for them. So, but yeah, I'll, sending I'll, one. Get, I'll get one from you there. There you go. Yeah. Rucky's sending one to me. I'm sending one to him. So it's a nice little uh, exchange. Nice. Yeah. Um, Speaking of nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, It was painful to watch a little bit. It would be painful for me to read this. I mean, other than the fact that I'm messing things up, even though I've typed this stuff up. (laughs) I just dropped the the page. Okay. Um, So, New England at New Jersey. Final score, 19 to our Free Jacks, 29 to New Jersey. I have lost a bet with Scott the Big Guy Ferrara from the Rugby Rant and Rooster Booster Time podcast. I will have to wear a Rooney jersey at some point in the future on this show. I'm going to wear it on this show and also um, in a future show of their choice. Uh, Scott will be sending me a jersey in the mail, and when I get it, instead of lighting it on fire, I will be wearing it, unfortunately. It was the first thing I thought of after the match, Phil. Oh, thank you so much. Like, ah, Phil's going to have to wear that jersey. That's nice that you were thinking about me, but yeah, it's going to suck. Yeah. (laughs) Better you than me. Yeah, exactly. I'd much rather be wearing a a fine jersey like you're wearing for a local club there up the river. Yeah. Well, I uh, wore it for a reason. I found out today from the uh, captain of my club, Charles River, um, that for the next month, for the month of June, Connor Kendrigan is going to be coming out to our practices. No kidding. So I thought it was an opportune time to plug Charles River. So charlesriverrugby.com. Um, if you want to check out uh, the info, if you're a rugby player interested in playing rugby, never played rugby, you know, it's a game for all shapes or sizes. So if you're in the Boston area, 
come on out Tuesdays and Thursday nights. We're just getting back into things uh, with protocols lifted and everything. So it's a great, great time to play some rugby. Yeah. Meet a, meet a free Jack. He's going to be there. That's really cool that they're doing that. They're doing that with a lot of local clubs around and have done it in the past. Right. Yep. Absolutely. It's neat that from my understanding, they've, you know, they've committed to be there um, consistently over the month of, of month of June, one night a week. So awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. The colors of uh, Charles River and my old club, Charlotte Rugby Club, are the same. And it got me thinking, I just donated some money to the Charlotte Rugby Club. I had mentioned in a previous uh, Outriders episode, or segment rather, that Charlotte is the only club in the South, and this has been this way forever, that have their own clubhouse and own uh, pitch. It's right yep. there in the same area. It's in a residential neighborhood, guys. It's wild. but the dream. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that came about, but whoever did that originally, great job. That's uh, some zoning shenanigans is what yes. that is right there. Somebody knew somebody on the zoning board. Right. That's how it works down there, baby. Um, but uh, they're having some facility issues. It's an old clubhouse. They're having, so, having to do some repairs. So there is a, um, a GoFundMe right now. I've donated some money to it myself because that is my first club, guys. When I learned about rugby on the Internet, I started a little high school team. And you know, we had a little bit of fun with that, but I didn't really know the rules. They didn't either. So we were just kind of playing around. After that fizzled out, I was like, let me go search on the internet for a rugby club near me. And by God, Charlotte is there and has been there and is still there. And um, as long, you know, I'm hoping that they get all this stuff fixed because it is an awesome clubhouse. And um, yeah, it, for me as a 17 year old kid playing against these guys, it was like awesome. You know what I mean? And they had their own facilities and all this sort of stuff. So um, any anything you guys can put towards that, if you would like to donate, uh, check out uh, GoFundMe, search Charlotte Rugby Club on there. $10, whatever it is, would go a long way for sure. Awesome. Good All luck. right. So we're avoiding talking about uh, the game here, obviously. But Anything um, else you want? To, what'd you have for dinner, Phil? <laughs> <I think it. laughs> All right. So we'll get into it here. Um, New, Jer New Jersey controlled the match at the beginning. It was 16 minutes in and they had 80% of possession. You don't really see that too often, such a dominant uh, possession performance. Um, yeah. Like that. Yeah. That four to one ratio is pretty shocking, you know? Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Just, just shows how much control they could exert just to hang on to the ball that long. Yeah. Um, New Jersey controlled the match at the beginning. Um, oh, I read over that. Sorry. The winds in New Jersey were not kind of to boil. Misjudged some kicks because of the wind and it caused some territory issues. Yep. I was worried at the beginning of the game that we, um, because we were just not, we were flat, you know, New Jersey was dominating, but we came roaring back into it. That 30 meter malt uh, try situation was a highlight and the try of the week by Conradi. He's an absolute beast. So the, uh, the mall moved the ball about 30 meters or so. He broke away and was off to the races. He, yeah. he actually looks like, I mean, he's a big guy, but he looked like he was running pretty dang fast. He's very quick. Yeah. Right. I think that that's one of the reasons he's such a powerful tackler as well yeah. is because, you know, it's mass and velocity and he gets that velocity up. He really, he really can lay the, the hurt on somebody. And he timed that run perfectly too, because um, they had a long rumble unopposed, you know, that's where the ref called same mall, you know, yeah. letting new york know they still had to stop the mall they hadn't stopped it yet and um new york had to recycle they re-engaged they hit 
And, you know, it's right after that hit where he knows the closest forwards have just rejoined them all and they're going to be doing everything they can to try to push against it. That's when Conradi pulls and goes uh, just fantastic execution. Um, The only person there to stop him was the wing and just not (laughs) not going to happen. Not today, buddy. Uh, It's it's nice that he tried, but yeah, it didn't work out. Yep. Let's see here. Yellow card to start the second half. Uh-oh, we've seen this before. Uh, <laughs> Expander <laughs> running rugby from New Jersey. I told y'all that they can do it. But my, you know, I think both of our predictions were it was going to be like more of a grinded out type game. But New York can do both very well. So mm-hmm. they, just, they probably heard our predictions. And we're like, <laughs> we're just going to do the opposite of what those idiots said. Yeah, they really used the edge really well. Oh. Um, they did a They did a great job of... Uh, exploiting the rush defense, not by kicking, but by getting outside it with just quick hands, Um, you know, lightning quick hands in the case of that Ben Foden pass, you know, that one flick. Uh, They really, yeah, they had, they had the number a little bit. Air Conradi, the big man can fly. He can do it all Um, y'all. He was soaring (laughs) like a bird to score a try. That was beautiful. Two tries for Conradi. And I think we're going to be talking about him a little bit later on in the game would be my guess as well, or a little bit later on in the episode here. Um, I noticed a lot of wasted opportunities in the back line to score. It seems we went out – when we went out wide to New Jersey's defense, it was – their defense was too good and our backs were not getting through the line of defense. It reminded me of USA Rugby playing a Tier 1 team, where if we're getting it out wide, our their, their defense is just too good and our – attacking mindset is just not quite there, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Did you notice any of that? Anything like that? Yeah. 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 I I can agree with that. I think that um, we saw, we definitely struggled to really produce the big solid line breaks and dynamic plays that we kind of are used to a little bit. Um, Maybe we've come to take those for granted, you know, right. Uh, But I, I think that, one thing that fed into that was when we did get some good breaks, you know, our connections not quite made there were times where um, when we did get the edge and made some territory, there were a couple knocks. There was one time where, um, you know, the receiver was just in touch. It's just uh, one of those, you know, five lines, five lines on the field problems. Um, and so, uh, it was a little bit one step forward, two steps back, yeah. um, caught, you know, turning the ball over and it's a set piece, you know, it's a, it's a launching opportunity for New York. And, and we saw that they were really effective with those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this might be a bitter fan point of view, but that no knock on call by Rooney changed the game entirely in my opinion. So if you guys don't remember or watching the game for some odd reason, um, there was a knock on that was a, clearly a knock on and Rooney knew it too, because they froze. And I think I heard Scott from the fan saying play until the whistle. So then they yeah. kind of snapped back into it. Um, but I think maybe the next uh, breakdown after that, or next phase after that, we got called for an offsides penalty. And mm-hmm. then it was pretty much all she wrote because uh, with uh, 22, 19 with 70 minutes gone and Dylan Fawcett, who is my musket size pants tent of the week, scores his second try. What a leader. What a player. That was all she wrote after that. But I think if if that knock-on call goes our way, as it should have, 
we potentially get the ball back from a scrum and can try to put something together to score. Um, what do you think? Yeah, that's a big, that's a big moment. Um, it, uh, I didn't look at the, I didn't rewatch the play leading up to this. So, you know, I don't want to, I can't speak to how much it was in knock, but, um, just cause I can't recall, you know, the specifics of the ball. Uh, but I do remember the moment and yeah, it's a tell when all the players freeze like that. It's a pretty clear, it's a pretty clear sign. Um, and we've talked before about how you just don't get the benefit of the doubt on knock on, you know, it's just not how you call it. It's only not a knock if, you know, there's really clear sight and it's clearly not a knock. For sure. Um, so it's a big moment. I think the I think the unseized upon yellow card was my uh, turning point of the match when New York went down and and we just couldn't produce anything out of it. Yeah. Um, almost, almost forgot about that entirely. Yeah, we couldn't. Yeah, get that. I got I got real. It, it, probably it's just me, right? Like it's just how I felt during the game. I got real excited, yeah. you know, and I said, "Oh, here it is. We can really we can really do something here." Um, you know, and 10 minutes later, uh, we really hadn't capitalized. If I remember, there was a lot of set piece in the 10 minutes, really slowed things down a lot. Yeah. Um, we didn't really get a lot of chance to do anything. Um, and then that kind of, for me, set the tone for the rest of the match. There was the rest of the second half. Yeah. There was times where I was frustrated and angry. And then there was other times where like, I was like, okay, we can do this. We're putting something together here. And, you know, after that, we've scored a couple tries. It's like, okay, we're right there where we need to be. But it was just a roller coaster of emotion, unfortunately. Um, having said that, who is your MVP of the game? Uh, you know, it's obviously Vian Uh <laughs> He's uh, just fantastic. What a, a leader. Um, he was on uh, the Free Jackson 5 this week as well, yep. talking to Dallas Stanford. Um, they're, I love them chatting up their preferred uh, Bry, their you know south african barbecue yeah, yeah. um and it was it was a lot of fun he seems like a fun guy that's what i'm saying you know right, it's, right. it's a guy that's a guy who's hangable one of my good friends rates people's hangability okay. and vian conradi high <laughs> high hangability that's a good hang right there you can hang with vian conradi sure. um so what a great guy a tremendous match uh, two tries, um, leaping over the ruck to score that try right after a, a great carry from Peter Johnson. Yeah. Um, just, just real, real cool electric player, uh, fun to watch what and man of the match without a doubt. Oh yeah. Me too. Obviously. Um, I was going to get to that, but, uh, you know, incredible player seems like a very nice guy, as you're saying, very nice, cool dude. Um, I actually thought that was John Poland flying over, um, into the tri zone for a moment, but obviously, uh, you know, Conradi is so much bigger than him. I was like, John <laughs> did that just now. And I was like, Oh wait, no, 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 it couldn't possibly be. This was a, you know, a Mack truck doing that. So it was very cool to yep. see, um, two tries well-deserved player of the week for his position. Well-deserved as well. Um, yep. I just wish he had some sort of, uh, American ancestry that we could <laughs> exploit. <laughs> too late, too yeah. late. Namibian number eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he's uh, he'd be he'd be good to steal. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, what else we got here? So I've uh, told you who my musket size pants as ten of the week is. We've gone over the MVP of the game, uh, and we, this is the first time ever that we have agreed of who this is. So that's pretty yeah. notable. 
All right. Um, so Toronto, actually, let me finish. Uh, we've got good news and bad news. So the final thing to put the nail into the coffin and move on and, you know, bury this terrible game. Here's the bad news. We have lost to all Eastern Conference team other than Toronto, who we face on Saturday at home, baby. So let's see if we can turn the tide of that. Here's the good news. Um, seven games. I wrote down seven games remaining. I'm not sure. It might be six uh, remaining in the regular season with six home games left. So it is seven games with six home games. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's win them all at home. Woo. Go free jacks. Free jacks. <laughs> Huzzah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, that's part of this episode. The theme of it is we got to turn this place into a fortress. It already kind of is with the FN atmosphere, but now we can be full capacity. So let's that's make right. it a true fortress at home. Home. let's make other teams terrified to come in uh to union point undefeated um, at home right let's stay undefeated at home keep and, it rocking yeah the team obviously has a huge factor in that but we do too yeah uh, so with that being said let's transition over to our game against toronto toronto coming off of a bye week and is rested and they are yep. prepared to play the free jacks what yeah. do you think about toronto um i think that they have had a little bit of a tough season, but like we talked about earlier, they were a favorite to win the East early on. Um, they're stacked with talent. Uh, they have a really strong South American connection and a lot of players um, with uh, some serious ability uh, on that Toronto squad, in addition to a strong Canadian connection. So you really see a lot of high quality players on their team. Um, they The week before the bye, they played Houston. And it was a low-scoring game, but if you watch the game, there's no question. Toronto's just in control the whole time. Um, they missed some opportunities when they were down and and, and should have scored and just didn't. And credit to Houston, you know, Houston stopped them. There's the two, you know, there's two teams on the field, um, but Toronto um, are really solid and can control a match there. I think going to be a good matchup. They're a good team in a lot of ways. To me, they're just like a. They're a good, well-rounded rugby team. They kind of play uh, traditional rugby in a lot of ways. Like they they run it up with their forwards. They have really good set piece, um, uh, but they also can just move the ball wide. They have wide threats on the wings, um, and you just see as I, as I was watching some of their some of their matches, getting ready for this, I just was noting how good their catch and pass is, um, which is always drilled by coaches as like the number one thing to do in practice. Uh, players whine about it because they think it's boring to just catch and pass. Um, but their catch and pass is fantastic. Uh, they just they just seem to really move the ball well around the field, um, and uh, it's going to be a fun going to be a fun match fun match to watch. Uh, it's it's a good good rugby, good old fashioned rugby out there. Yeah. Another thing to keep in mind is this team is underperforming uh, because they have been predicted to win the East. They're mm -hmm. right there with us where they've got four wins and five losses. So I know that I'm sure the organization with the, the roster, if they look at it and say, what's going on here, guys, we, we're better than this. Just like we should be saying we're better than this. Um, so highly motivated to win this game is Toronto. Uh, and like I said, uh, rested, recovered and well prepped, I'm sure, to face us. I forgot to write down a key to the game. Whoops, I think I just also dropped my uh, prediction. So I'm going to say, uh, this is off just the top of my head, key to the game for me. So watching that New England at New Jersey game, what I didn't predict is our backs having an issue scoring tries. 
um, not putting things together to advance the ball very much uh, and score tries. So I'm going to um, focus in on the backs right now. I'm going to say that they need to find a way to score uh, when they've got the ball um, to try to put some points on the board and make our forwards um, envious. And hopefully they score some too from some, uh, some malls and uh, line outs and line out malls. Um, what about you, my friend? Um, I think mine's mine's kind of a negative space key to the game. So I'm going to give a shout out to Ross Parlin on the uh, Free Jacks fan page on Facebook, um, who said that it seems like every week we have a new problem. We fix the problem from the week before and a new problem pops up, right? Uh, Like whack-a-mole. Um, and his problem, he said this week was the restarts, you know, we fixed the line outs from the week before and then against New York, it was the restarts. Um, so my key to the game is no new moles in the problem whack-a-mole. We got to just address our, address our issues. We need to play a good game of rugby. Um, and we need to not invent a new problem for ourselves on the, on the pitch this week, uh, which I guess you can frame positively as you know minimize the mistakes um we we've got to get the discipline a little bit better not just penalty wise but just you know execute the game plan yeah shout out to ross uh friend of the show friend of the show that's right episode two we had an interview with him uh relatively new rugby fan and i'm so glad that he you know is here and picked the free jacks as his uh his team because he's a great asset um you know great online presence with stuff that you're talking about there um i saw him also watching the uh rugby rants uh episode with kyle sequeri we you know we're watching it together at the same time so yeah ross great asset to uh, the free jacks fan base for sure all right uh moving on to predictions you want to go first? Yeah, um, I've been off the mark a little bit lately, so uh, I kind of feel like I'm taking shots in the dark at this point. Uh, so I'm gonna we're gonna go we're gonna score some points. We're gonna be noisy. We're gonna mess with uh, the defense a little bit, and I'm gonna say that we get 32 to New England. Yeah, we're gonna put them up there, and um, you know we're still gonna we're still gonna give some opportunities. So 20 uh we'll say 22 32 to 22 no 32 to 24 i love it that's fantastic so yeah i've got toronto 24 new england 32 isn't that wild i mean similar yeah yeah uh yeah i mean we're both predicting a win again i mean you know things have not been great in free jack's land here in podcastville for us but Big win at home to continue the streak. It'll be three in a row, baby. That's right. Oh, can't can't bet against the Free Jacks at Union Point. That's right. You're not going to beat us at uh, Union Point. You might beat us on the road, but guess what? We ain't got a lot of uh, road games left, Jack. So we're going to be winning and moving up the Eastern Conference and see you in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Dave, this has been a fun one. Um, I'm going to tr- try to figure out how to read again, and um, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs> Absolutely. Been a good time. See everybody. It's uh, Saturday at Union Point. Can't Huzzah! Wait. Huzzah! Let's ride, baby! Let's ride.
All right, that was our Outriders segment this week in episode five. Tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangersshow at gmail.com. Tell us what segments you like. Tell us what segments you don't like. Send that email or message us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram with all of your feedback and input for the show. We would appreciate it very much. I know that uh, our friend of the show, Chris Lind, uh, is very good about that. My cat, Morty, just jumped into my lap if you heard that bell morty of course the the mascot of the jacks rangers show moving right along here <laughs> we've got dallin stanford i mean what type of introduction do you guys want me to do here i mean this guy is the greatest rugby commentator on earth if you don't believe me just go to his highlights on youtube type in dallin stanford commentating highlights and you will hear it for yourself he has the quickest wit on earth that's for sure and to put that with his rugby experience his preparation as well is just unmatched and you will hear that in the interview that dave and i uh did with mr dallin stanford a few weeks back so happy that he was willing to come on the show i appreciate him so much dallin is a great friend of the show he was uh, made aware that this existed very early on and you know we were able to work out a time to interview him so i'm very thankful of that he Right now, he's on vacation in the Dominican Republic, and he looks like he's having a lot of fun. So, viva Dominica. All right, without further ado, here we go with, and there's Morty with her bell, into the Jax Rangers show, the interview segment this week with Dallin Stanford. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again. I've got Dallin Stanford with me, the voice of the Free Jacks. I've also got Dave here with us. Dave, our, our co-host at this point, thank God. Um, Dallin, we've got a beer here. Got some Baxter beer. How about you, my friend? I like it a lot. I've got um, Buzz's Brewery, local uh, one year uh, where my wife's area is from, Westport, Massachusetts, Golden Flounder. So nice. I thought I, I, I couldn't, all the Baxter beer was finished this weekend. So I had to go for the second choice, you know? I understand. Yeah, some, some hooligans down in uh, Weymouth, I hear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, drank exactly. It. Drink all the beer. That's Let's right. Crack it open. Yeah. Cheers, you champions. Cheers. Cheers. So go ahead and plug your social media and your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So we just launched our website, actually, rugbyhive.com. So that's probably the easiest place to find, uh, you know, who we are and what we do. But in a nutshell, the Rugby Hive podcast was founded by a friend of mine who played for Canada, Robin McDowell. Um, I played um, against him when I was representing the USA about 10 years ago or so. And so we kept in touch ever since. And when uh, the pandemic started, he reached out and said we should, you know, kick something off. And so the podcast, basically, the premise is we interview uh, current or former uh, international 15s or 7s uh, woman or men and so basically go into the background how they came about to where they were in their life and and what sacrifices and what hurdles they had overcome to play international sport or coach international sport and advice for the next generation and, and any interesting antidotes like Brian Banner racing a cheetah in the wild things like that that could uh, capture people's attention so we've had a great fun last year and this a cool platform to bring their voices to fans thank you yeah yeah absolutely. um so where are you from so i'm from cape town south africa so the most southern tip of africa uh where two oceans come together and 
I, you know, I've spent my first 25 years there. And then uh, in, in 2003, I had a friend who finished university, the same university I was at, and he, he played a little bit of rugby in California. So he invited me to come out and spend six months there with his team, Division II team at the time called Occidental College Old Boys, um, affiliated there with the, the, the campus where Barack Obama went to, uh, to school for a little while. And so I had a great time, wonderful time. I, I didn't have much experience in terms of how rugby would be in America. I'd seen the U.S. Eagles played the World Cup in 2003, um, but that was about it. And so it was just a brilliant experience. The thing I enjoyed the most was the Summer Sevens. We didn't do uh, many Sevens tournaments in South Africa, but here there was, you know, a whole uh, six weeks dedicated to it. So I had such a blast that I, uh, you know, came back the following year, and that's when I met my wife-to-be, who's still still my wife. So there we go. <laughs> Good. Um, so what is your origin story in South Africa with rugby? How did you find rugby? Yeah, so my my... Parents were big advocates for sport um, in terms of, you know, making friends and, and trying something new. And my mom was an exceptional, exceptional athlete. She, um, she swam for her region, for her, her state, if you will. She played uh, softball um, for her region as well. She played field hockey. Um, she reached, uh, you know, representative South African side. So she, she did kind of all. Um, and for South Africans growing up, you either played cricket or you played soccer or you played rugby and rugby was the most popular one um, and so you know at about three or four years old you're given a rugby ball and you learn how to tackle your friends and then it comes into uh, contact rugby from a very young age so I fell into a sport I fell in love with it it was just something that you know you could tackle and smash people legally in a game um, plus you could score tries and have a lot of fun and I really enjoyed the touch rugby side of it uh, the elusiveness the seven style of it very much and um, so that's kind of how I fell in love with the sport and that's why when I came to the U.S. the sevens were so prominent i was like oh this is amazing somebody like myself is a bit smaller i uh, can avoid some of the big heavies uh, by playing a, a shorter code you know so you've become the world's best rugby commentator in our opinion of course uh, <laughs> uh dave i think you have a question about transitioning or uh, broadcast. yeah you've been doing it for about nine years is that right you've yeah kind of built into it. Yes. okay yeah um when you started out what was the biggest shock or steepest learning curve about it i would assume you started you had to start live pretty early right yes and a great question so first of all uh, there are there was a million other brilliant commentators uh, so thank you for the kind compliments that's so great um but no, i mean my favorite was bill mclaren the scottish legend and uh, the way he was able to say things and and you know i don't like to listen to my games back sometimes because i don't like the sound of my own voice uh, which is ironic obviously in broadcasting it's what you do uh, but the the transition was initially was was easy in terms of I played the game and recently retired from international rugby. So it was easy because I knew the players and I could relate to them and I knew what was going on in the field. But the tricky parts, which people, you know, don't tell you about or warn you about is that you've got people in your ear, your directors talking in your ear. You've got people saying you're live, five, four, three. And then, and then all of a sudden you, you're put on the spot when you see the red light on the camera and you're on camera. And that kind of pressure, it, it, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, I work with one commentator who literally froze and didn't say anything for five or 10 seconds. So then you have to step in. Um, but it was, it definitely was a learning curve. I, I definitely, you know, cringe if I had to go back and watch any of the games I did because the, the way you sound, you, you know, you sound normal right now, but in a broadcast, you have to sound double as loud and double as enthusiastic because it kind of tones down a bit. So if you come in at a regular level, you're going to sound flat and you're going to sound pretty chilled and quiet. So um, so to be really excited to, for that to come across, it takes a while to practice that. Um, your timing, not to speak too quickly. It's what I do quite often. I get too excited and speak too quickly. And, you know, for an audience that is not obviously 
not used to my accent, for example, that's something you need to watch out for. Um, so yeah, definitely was a learning curve. Uh, and I would say each, even still every single weekend I do a game or two games, three games, you pick up a small thing that you improve on every time. So it's definitely a gradual uh, a progress. And just because somebody does a game once and somebody doesn't like listening to them, they can certainly improve tremendously week in, week out. Yeah, I think we're seeing that across the MLR, you know, a lot of broadcasters coming to their own. I know I've seen people speak about, you know, the problem is you have guys who have broadcast experience and you have guys who have rugby experience. And there are very few people in the United States who have a lot of both. And that's what we're really, you know, finding and bringing to the fore right now. So it's it's yeah. a tough nut to crack. So well, well, you bring up a good point then. Touching on that is so right. It's, someone asked me like, what would you prefer? And it's a tricky one, right? Because I'm a rugby enthusiast, I like the rugby knowledge of it. But again, a lot of people that are tuning in that are brand new to the sport that don't know anything. So for them, they're not too fussed not to get all their excellent rugby intel. But if it sounds good, then that, that that's great as well. So I get both sides of it. Um, it is very complicated. And the only way you get experience is by doing more games. And so so that, so that's a tricky part. There's no We never went to a rugby broadcasting school. And even when I started in the Sevens World Series, you know, it was really cool to work with all these other great commentators that did go have backgrounds in broadcasting. They, they obviously knew their rugby, but they had the other elements too that, you know, that I could learn from and pick up and, and add to my tool, uh, toolkit. Absolutely. How did the Free Jacks recruit you, sir? Well, it wasn't so much a recruiting thing, but I was actually, um, when COVID started, my wife um, and myself decided that we should go back and maybe spend some time with her family on the East Coast uh, in, in Westport, Massachusetts. Um, and my wife is an actor and a teacher and does theater as well. So LA kind of was closing down. And funnily enough, when we were driving to the airport, I got a call from David Barry from the New England Free Jacks. And David Barry and I, I'd worked with him at the Rugby Time Sevens for five or six years with the Rambling Jesters, his team that he owns. And he just said to me, Dale, I'm not sure where you're flying off to, but we do need some help with content creation. Um, you, you would be a good fit with the organization if it's something you would consider. And I was like, well, I'm actually heading out near Boston anyway. So it kind of was, was perfect um, to do that. And the, the interesting thing is that almost everything I've done for the free checks has been remote. Even the games, if I do call a game, we, we they would fly us to Indianapolis or to Austin, Texas to call a game that's happening 45 minutes from where I live, which is quite a strange setup, but that's the way the, the, the remote model that they're trying out this year for the first time. Yeah. And that lets you, that's what lets you broadcast with much more efficiency, right? You've had a weekend this season where you did three matches. Is that in one day? Is that correct? Yeah, I've done, I've done two weekends, you're right, where there's three games in, in different cities. And before, you'd have to fly to every single, every single place. And obviously, there, there, there are pros and cons. The pros are obviously you, you get to soak up the atmosphere. While I know that you know, fans were slow, you know, slow to be let in, there was probably not a much atmosphere. But you're still there at the ground, so you get a real sense of the two teams. You also have the field vision. So commentators have two styles some look up at the field and call the game as they see it live or some look at the monitor what the audience would see you know i prefer to look up at the field to see what is happening and that sort of thing and so without that field vision it makes it a bit more complicated to call a game but as the same time as you said it, it's more cost effective because you can do more games in a weekend um and stuff like that plus um it it obviously lends itself to if there are, uh, there's a show as well that they're doing, you know, in between the games, so you can chat to them, you're close by, so you can just share notes and things like that. So it, it certainly does have its positives as well. Dave, you had a uh, question about the, your preparation for uh, Dallin? Yeah, just what that process is like. If I remember right, you had a post on social media for one of those weekends about how many pages of notes you had uh, prepared. Um, 
obviously you're you know going to go through player backgrounds and and kind of game plans for the teams but what's your um is there one you start with maybe like team notes player notes what just what's the general process for assembly i know it's a lot of work all that preparation that people don't really think of yeah dave you're so right it, it really is you know a lot of times people's you know they maybe watch a game a two-hour game and they think oh well yeah, and obviously you sound excited on it. You, you know, you're trying to bring as much energy and excitement as fun to it. And it is fun. It's not a job. It's really a passion and, and, and uh, something, you know, we're blessed to do, but it's not just the two hours of work, as you said, it's the whole week leading up to it. And, and like that weekend uh, that I did three games, think about it. That's, almost 150 players that you're preparing for the officials, the, the stadium uh, history, uh, the history between the two teams and any other milestones that are coming through. So my process, for example, let's say I was doing the free Jacks coming up this weekend uh, against the opposition. I, I would, I, I, some people write out their notes and you see like Bill McLaren or some of the famous commentators from back in the day that have these huge cardboard sheets of paper with a detailed uh, information on them. I find it more efficient to have my sheets printed on legal paper. So it's a bit taller as well. And I can change, you know, if there's only two or three changes in the lineup, then that's easy. Then I just, those are the three players I'm going to do research on. So I'll take my free Jacks team from last week that I did, or if I, or the last time I did them, see who's ever come in, add a few notes. I obviously would look at my player bio and let's say it's Hatakiyama. And I've already said a lot of times that he's played for Japan in several world cups and 78 test caps. Well, maybe I'll leave that information out and try something other information that I have about him um, to kind of get that across. And then the opposition, that's where you spend a lot of your time on, right? Because, you know, you haven't maybe done that team before. So you're preparing 23 names, 23 biostats. Sometimes the media person is really good from the organization. They'll give you a lot of information. Other times you go online and find it, you go to their social media profiles. They recently, you know, their wife gave birth and you have the child's name there. Things like that is really cool to kind of bring in or there's a birthday coming up, something like that, you know? So I get my two sheets together. I would get the stadium, uh, the rivalry history, the stats on all the players. We get given like a 50 page document um, on each game, which highlights the, you know, accuracy in the line, in the set pieces, the accuracy on attack and defense, but it's a lot of information. So I almost feel like it's, it is too much because you need to dig out the nuggets that you can use at the right time to, tell the audience the story and paint the picture, um, which, which is the thing. And then my other notes that people forget about preparing for is then you're on air, right? So you have to prepare your opening remarks. Um, what are you going to say at half time? At the end, you must prepare two outcomes. The opposition wins, free jacks win. What are you going to say on both sides? Um, and that sort of thing. So uh, it is a lot of work. Obviously, it's exciting because you're working in rugby and it's full time and it's what you love doing. Um, but people do do uh, forget about that. And then think about that. If I was doing a Sevens World Series next weekend, the weekend after this major rugby weekend, all of a sudden there's 16 men's teams and 12 uh, women's teams. That's 28 teams you're preparing for, different nationalities playing, different uh, um, pronunciations. Oh, that's one thing I forgot about too. Getting the names right is, is probably the hardest part and something I try to take the biggest pride in. And so if I can't get that player to tell me how to say their name themselves. And now again, I'm not going to the stadium these days. It's remote. A lot of right. times I see on social media, people didn't know just information. They were like, oh, can't the commentators go down and ask the players? No, we actually can't. So, um, and even if we could, proto uh, COVID protocols early on wouldn't allow us uh, for that. So we do get the players to send in their names. Sometimes the media people help us, the managers, sometimes they get it wrong. So, you know, there, there is obviously, um, you know, times we, we've misset people's, uh, mispronounced people's names, but we try our best to be as accurate as we can, you know? Absolutely. I know when I started uh, just making short videos, that was my uh, first big concern running into it. You know, you see a name on paper and uh, now I'm going back through broadcasts trying to say, okay, how are they saying it in the broadcast? I want to make sure that 
you know, you're, you're paying proper respect to those guys. So kudos to you. I know you work really hard on that. Um, and I'm sure the players appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Um, you're a recent New England transplant. What's better lobster rolls or clam chowder? That not that that's an easy one. So lobster rolls are something that so for the past what fifteen years or so I've been coming back here to New England every summer with my wife and it's first thing we do it's a lobster roll you know that's what we go for every single time. The the for me personally I haven't really been I mean I eat soups and I eat chowder but it's rare because growing up in Cape Town South Africa and living in Los Angeles for fifteen years those are very much similar climates summer vibe so winter really doesn't play much into it and so coming here now experiencing my first snowfall well you know and living in it for three or four months yes i've gravitated more to the warm meals still i'm going to give give lobster the the big boat up there right on what's mags like behind the scenes (laughs) he's he is who he is and what i mean by that is you see social media you see he's uh, he's a wacky guy he's a wacky guy that is super intelligent that is um very down to earth, very humble. Um, he's done so many brilliant things and, and there's a lot going on up there. And, and I do love watching all his social media clips because you can get a little bit of a glimpse of what he's like in, in his daily life. He is, he's a lot about for having fun and, you know, getting the right people together. They're going to do a, an excellent job, but at the same time, we're going to enjoy it as well because you spend a lot of time with the people you work with. So um, kudos to him for putting together a great team at the Free Jacks, um, it, all the back-end staff, you know, obviously the on-field product as well. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a fun guy. I haven't been able to spend a lot of time with him because of obviously, you know, COVID and everything. But, um, you know, when, when things clear up a bit more, uh, look forward to sinking a few jars with that horse. Right on. Uh, best hair awesome. on the team, in your opinion, sir? Best hair on the team. Okay, so this is a toss-up because you got Vili Talatahu, which is just gorgeous and out there. And, you know, it, it's it's real skill to have such fro like that. Uh, but then you've got Carl Sequeira, the eagle, a.k.a. the pot roast, who, whose style is just, you know, <laughs> out of a movie. Uh, the lamb chops, the mullets, um, the, you know, the facial expressions. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with the potrust with with the eagle. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. Yeah. One of the um, interviews that I've done recently that have, has yet to air. Somebody mentioned Waka with his man bun. He threw that one in there, and I totally forgot about him. You know, he's in the conversation too with that that um, hairpiece there. <laughs> he really yeah. is. Yeah. No, it was good, and he styled it up pretty nicely in the last few weekends. So he is looking sharp. For sure. And you can't count out Joe Johnston, who looks like he's going to show up on a motorcycle and take your mom out on a date. That's right. <laughs> and you're not going to get in the way, right. you know. The mechanic. Uh, Absolutely. Speaking of, which, speaking of which, who on the team would you not want to mess around with? Who has an edge about them, do you think? So that's a, that's another good question. It, it's funny because – you know, on behind the scenes, I haven't met everybody face to face. Even I've done a lot of interviews with the players, and then you get to really get a sense of somebody and 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 how nice they are. And I think that's the cool thing about rugby is that you may look at somebody in the field and be like, I don't want to, I'd be nervous to talk to them or be be anxious, but they just come across so well. Somebody who I haven't got a chance to interview yet, but going on his game play, the way he has broken people is Vion Conradi. The cold shoulder that he puts in on people, um, I'm, I'd want him on my team. I'd, I'd even just want him at any event I'm at, just in case things go down, he's there. For sure, yeah. What a beast he is. Yeah. Who is your MVP so far this re- uh, this season, and why is it Dougie Fight? <laughs> oh, the Scottish sensation, uh, William Wallace, relative. He he really has such a you know 
beautiful field vision and his way he's able to insert himself and, and make, he makes it look very easy. And, I, and that's the true hallmark of a great player. The right, being at the right time in the right place, you know, I know commentators say that a lot, but that is a, is a skill in itself. It doesn't matter if he's playing on the wing or in center. Um, that's one thing that excited me when I saw his name being signed with the Free Jacks early on. I, I've seen what he can do in the Sevens World Series. Now, again, limited number of players on defense, but the, the, his ability to transition that to 15s has been amazing. Um, and a lot of times players, you know, who have played their best international rugby and then come to the U.S., you know, post their professional career, when I mean by professional, post-international career, um, sometimes you don't see the best of them, right? But with Dougie, we're, we're, we're seeing him. And, um, and people have been even throwing around saying that, you know, he should be in a, have been in contention with the Lions, uh, which I agree with, selection, which is fantastic to see. Um, and look, with the Free Jacks, I'll say that there, there are a handful of other players that have put in big shifts as well, which is so great. And it's... You know, even when you have to select a player of the match, these days it's very tough. You know, you, you yes, if Dougie scores three tries, a lot of that has come from the hard work of the set piece of the forwards as well. And so um, I think that uh, the Free Jacks can be very proud of. You know, they have a really balanced side um, compared to, you know, last year. For sure. All right. Um, other than the Free Jacks, what other pro sports team do you support and why? Yes. So I'm so immersed in the in the rugby space that I don't really get a chance to follow many other sports. Um, a lot of people ask me, you know, who's my favorite basketball team and things like that. I don't really, I mean, I obviously watched the last dance and things like that. That was extraordinary. But with rugby, I follow the Springboks. That, that's the team, obviously, I grew up with in South Africa. And I can't, I'm obviously half the South African citizen and an American citizen, you know, so African-American, if you will, uh, with those two passports. So I, I really love watching the Blitzbox and the Sevens World Series and the Springboks uh, in the 15s. And it was very, uh, uh, fitting and emotional to be in Japan commentating the Rugby World Cup. I uh, got a chance to do one of South Africa's pool games and then to see them lift the trophy uh, with Sia Khaleesi, the first black South African captain. It was, was, was very special. I'd never forget the 1995 Rugby World Cup uh, when I was 16 years old and it really united South Africans, particularly South Africa had a terrible system of apartheid with you know, Nelson Mandela coming to power. Um, and the funny part about that story is that Joel Stransky was the hero of South Africa, right? Well, fast forward to the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I'm sitting next to Joel Stransky, you know, for uh, six weeks of that competition, co commentating the action for world rugby. So, you know, I couldn't have been more blessed to be in that situation, you know, just to have a drink with him after the games and talk about 95, talk about playing with all the legends he did and against the All Blacks and beating them and and uh, and what it did for, for South Africa as a nation. And also like a message of hope for the rest of the world too. You know, every country has a lot of issues and is very divided. We've seen it here in the US uh, from, for, for many years, particularly of late. So um, sport really does have the power to to change and unite and create that common ground that, uh, that, that we all desperately need, you know? Amen. Yeah. So we got a little fun stuff here for you. Um, one word association here. So I'm going to say a word. You give me a word back. Magnets. Unicorn. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kenny. Lofter. Okay. Coach Ryan Martin. Stash. <laughs> okay. So this one's just a selfish one for us here. Jax Rangers. The, the lasso. <laughs> Um, Waka. Benjamin Button. <laughs> Rooney. Rivals. Gil Gronies. 2218. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, Dave, you got a wrong word, answer only, or whatever? Yeah, I have one question before that, just because I, I am 
really intrigued by it. You, Dal, you've played uh, at a high level in both sevens and fifteens, um, which is a little bit um, not unheard of, but rare. It's difficult, I'll say. Um, and you, in fact, captained the USA uh, sevens at the 2013 Maccabea Games. Is that right? While yes, playing on the fifteens team as well in the same games. Yes, exactly. So, so how it works is uh, every four years Israel hosts the the, the Maccabee Games, uh, bringing you know uh, teams from all over the globe, which is an unbelievable experience with Jewish heritage. And I didn't grow up Jewish, but my mom's um, side of the family was, and she converted to Christianity when she met my father. And so I've always had it, obviously, in your blood, particularly from your mother's side. And so I, I was asked if I would you know join the squad, and I explained my situation. And they said, well, part of going to Israel is to connect you with your roots and your background and it is the only sports team that is selected on that uh, you know you can't just even if you're good enough you can't make it so uh, Zach Test came along as uh, one of the coaching uh, assistants because he was playing with the U.S. Uh, at the time. Kevin Swern was on our team, uh, U.S. Le- uh, legend. And so you, we would play both in the 15s and the 7s competition. So I captained the, the whole squad. Um, okay. And so obviously we played in both 7s and 15s. We were, um, you know, we were fortunate to win the gold in 7s. 15s, we won the bronze. Um, but a truly remarkable experience to go to Israel, to go to all the famous sites. Um, so how it worked is we're there for three weeks. And the first week, uh, there were there are a thousand U.S. athletes from all different sports, and you get taken on a like a heritage trip for the whole week, and you go to all these different sites, and you 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 gain knowledge, and you go to the Western Wall, and you go to all the, all the brilliant things. So, and you connect with all the other sports as well. And then it's, it's like the Olympic Games, which it is for the Jewish athletes, and uh, then you watch other teams, support them uh, as as they fend, and they come support you in your event. You know, so um, it, I've never been so tired though in my life, I'll say, because. We played a whole sevens tournament, and then a day later, one day rest, and then we play a fifteens tournament. Um, it was it, it was it was pretty uh, pretty brutal, and the competition was, was was really strong as well. Yeah, I can't imagine just the physicality. Two days of one tournament is enough, yeah. you know. Everybody, I'm familiar with with you know, and in, in, in my rugby world, it's it's often you head down and Saturday, you know, by your second match, you're hoping you're not playing on Sunday. <laughs> So to do two full tournaments, you know, back to back is grueling. Well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, a couple of years later, then I went to Chile for the Pan-American Maccabea Games um, and I was one of the coaches. So I went along as the coaches. I took my cleats along because I knew I might play in the sevens. So that's why they said, if you, the assistant coach, you can, if you're the head coach, you must stick, stick to coaching. So I said, please sign me up for the assistant coach. So I can play a little bit. So half an hour into the very first game of team to go in and I laughed at him and he kept a straight face and I was like okay so I had to then jump in and play the rest of the 15 great fun being there and 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 why not because again you know obviously the older we get the less likely we are going to play again so uh, those memories I hold dear to my heart that's awesome love to hear that you jump jumped in with both feet you know that's uh (laughs) quite a quite a task put before you so yeah nice work thank you um in in a in a similar vein uh for our wrong answers only segment why can't 15s players stop whining about sevens <laughs> I, I coached for three i coached for three years and i don't know how many of my players on you know the, the club level just if you mention sevens, they turned into the biggest babies you've ever you've ever heard of. Hey, why? Hang on, is it because it's too much running or what? 
I mean, I think I think that that might be the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know how many conversations I've had with with people who are insisting. Well, you know, there's really no transferable skills. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Most, that's funny. Watch Dougie Fife change pace and tell me there's yes. no transferable skills. You know. Exactly. I, I, what you need to do next then is do tens. Do a ten aside tournament because then it's like at least the balance between yeah. 15s and sevens. You know. I love, I have to say, I love tens. Um, yeah. It was when I started playing, it was probably more popular than sevens, although sevens very quickly overtook it. Yes. Um, and I always loved it because it has the short match, you know, and the, a little bit more space, uh, but you, you still get to rock, you know, scrums feel a lot more like a normal 15 scrum. There's a little bit more breakdown yeah. work. Um, so for me, I, I enjoyed tens. I found it to be kind of a sweet spot for the summer, you know? What yes, I, I agree. And it, it means Phil can play as well, you know? that's right dude i remember listening when i played at carolina for 15s we would talk about sevens in the summer i'd be like nah that's for them skinny boys that ain't my that ain't my thing you, you got to put together a clydesdale team and see if you can yes. get a 50 meter try a uh, mall for a try that's the real goal if you're a forward and you're going to go to a sevens tournament you see how many mall tries you can generate i have played a one sevens tournament against a bowman shore team that where all the forwards came together and you had to be 250 pounds or heavier to make the team and uh, there was a guy called henry bloomfield who represented the usa huge about 350 pounds and and uh, so every time they got the ball they would just crash it up and we would try and tackle them and eventually after like you know 65 phases they worked their way up all the way to our try line one turnover one pass to our wing and we'd run you know 100 meters and score but it was a brutal game yeah they'll make you work for it at least yeah yeah Love it. All right. Dallin, I think that's going to wrap her on up, man. I appreciate your time so much. This has been fantastic. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks to what you guys are doing, promoting the free jacks and everything else. We just love, love your work behind the scenes and, and Jack's Rangers for the win yet again. Woo. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Huzzah. Let's ride. Woo. All Huzzah. Right. Let's ride. <laughs> that was the great Dallin Stanford who has graced us here with his presence in episode five of the Jack's Rangers show. We're putting it out into the podcastville universe here that um, he was a great guest, uh, one of the best that we've had so far. We really appreciate Dallin's time. USA rugby legend, best commentator in the world and the voice of the free Jacks. To have him on the the fifth episode here so early on in the Jack's Rangers show, we, we greatly appreciate his time and, and uh, consider for coming on to the show here. I did want to give a special shout out here before we wrap everything up, guys, to a friend of the show, a fan favorite in New England, Kyle the Eagle Sequera, was just recently on the Rugby Rant podcast interview May the 24th, which was Monday evening. So go to, go check out the Rugby Rant podcast uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out uh, Kyle's interview where he did a fantastic job. I think he was on there for like 45 minutes and answered a lot of questions. There was even a question that was brought up, and I will go ahead and say that I'm the one that posed the question to the boys. Who has the better mustache? Myself, Phil Harris of the Jacks Rangers show, or Coach Ryan Martin? Now, Kyle, I think, uh, was 50-50 on it, uh, did not give a straight answer on that. That's fine. I, I guess 
you know, playing time is uh, on the line there with Coach Ryan Martin, if he said me. But uh, guys, if you haven't seen me, go check out our videos on YouTube. We put up the interview and the Outrider segment in video form on YouTube. So go check out my beautiful mustache. Of course, I'm sure you've seen Coach Ryan Martin's. And let us know in the comments uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email at Jack's Ranger Show. Let us know who has the better mustache, myself, Phil Harris of the Jack's Ranger Show, or Coach Ryan Martin, and we will be posting those comments and uh, reading them out on the show in next week's episode if we get any for episode six of the Jax Rangers show. That about wraps her up, guys, for this episode. Not a huge mega episode like last week. We had two interviews like last week, if you recall, Mags and Scott Ferrara for the Rivalry Week edition. This is also a Rivalry Week to a certain extent, but I don't I don't feel that disdain for Toronto, even though they're also in the northeast area of the the continent here they're just too dang nice right uh, our canadian uh brothers and sisters so what we really need from you is to make union point a fortress so if you haven't been out to a game this is the week to come out we really need your voice out there to support our new england free jacks this is a big big game that they have we cannot continue to, to lose points in the eastern conference because we're starting to fall behind here so we need your voice we need to make this place intimidating at union point let's sell out the game we, we're at full capacity now guys buy your tickets if you see me at the game shake my hand say what's up and if you see any of our friends of the show spider dave ted black uh, ross perlon dylan Ferrese, which i'm not sure if he's going to be at any of the games this year but we hope so any of these guys if you see him at the game buy him a beer say that you heard uh, them on the jacks ranger show all right i'm rambling at this point but i i appreciate you guys listening in as always uh, this has been a great episode huzzah go free jacks let's ride baby Woo! beat toronto Bye.